Hey, visionaries, this is Cuff. And this is Mo. This episode is brought to you by Farmers Insurance, the Robert Garcia Agency. If you are looking for the best insurance and customer service, make sure you pick up the phone and dial 972-645-1844 for Farmers Insurance, the Robert Garcia Agency. Whether it's home, life, business insurance, Robert Garcia and his staff are the best at protecting you and your family long term. Once again, that's Farmers Insurance, the Robert Garcia Agency. The phone number is 972-645-1844, and the website is farmersagent.com slash rgarcia. Hey, everybody, this is Eric Warfield, and you're listening to the Vision Lab Podcast with Cuff and Mo. Welcome to the Vision Lab Podcast, where we give a voice to the voiceless. I'm Ryan Cuffey, alongside with my co-host, Mr. Ryan Mosley. Here in the Vision Lab, we put pen to pad and dive deep to uncover your passions and how you can arrive there. The Vision Lab is a platform focused on growth and exploring the developmental path of people's visions and dreams and how those dreams can come into reality. It's all about tapping into and becoming the best versions of ourselves through self-discovery, self-examination, and self-actualization. Hey, yo, Mo, who do we have on the show today? Cuff, today's guest, is a native of Texarkana, Arkansas. He was the seventh round pick of the Kansas City Chiefs in the 1998 NFL Draft out of the University of Nebraska. After an eight-year run with the Chiefs, he now runs numerous charities like the ones we're going to talk about today, 100 Kids for Christmas. Please welcome Eric Warfield to the Vision Lab podcast. What up, what up, what up? What's going on, fellas? How are you today, sir? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. No problem. We appreciate you sitting down with us and, uh, and getting this thing scheduled out for us, right? So it is the holiday season, and uh, there is a reason why we're here, and we're jump right into it. Can you actually tell the listeners out there about your charity, if you will, 100 Kids for Christmas? So it uh, started with Tony Gonzalez back in Kansas City when uh, I was with the Chiefs, and uh, he called it Shop, Shop with the Jock. And it was basically the same idea to take 100 kids and give each kid 100 bucks. And we had the team to come out and escort the kids. And it was, um, you know, kind of rewarding to see the, the, the kids and the, the, the smiles you put on their faces. And they get to share their stories and go around and walk with you as they did their, their shopping. So um, Tony kind of let go of it and I, I, I ran with it. And uh, up until this day, I think I'm this is probably my 18th year doing it. So been 18 years straight. You say 18 years. This is the Vision Lab podcast. When you initially took it over, did you have an initial vision for it? And if so, how has that changed in the 18 years since you've been running it? Okay, I, I didn't uh, have a vision. I, I I liked what we were doing with it, and I just kept with the same game plan. But now uh, that vision has has broadened. Uh, before. I never had just, you know, regular working, common working people to come out and escort the kids. Uh, but now that's what I'm doing here in Dallas. Um, even when I did it in Nebraska, I used the student athletes to come out and uh, escort the kids. because I, I thought it, it kind of gave the same uh, vibe and value that it did with the Chiefs. Uh, you had college kids that got to share their stories and uh, listen to these kids and, and help to inspire these kids uh, to get to where they are and beyond. So uh, here, um, I'm, I don't know any schools, universities, um, not too familiar with the Cowboys. So I would love for those guys to come out and, and to participate in it. But right now, this year, 
I just want the average working person to come out and see what I'm doing and to be a part of it and to, you know, especially when they're the ones that donate most of the money and to see where their money's going, uh, to see the stories that, that come with it, uh, the smiles and whatever else, all that, that comes with it. Well, you know, first and foremost, I just want to say thank you um, for continuing to give back to the community and it extends beyond your your NFL playing days. So big ups to you uh, for doing that. Let me ask you this question. Um, when did your philanthropic heart kind of come to be? Like, have you always been around giving and like what motivated you to, to really get involved in the community like you are? So my, uh, my sophomore year in high school, my mom got legal custody of three good friends of mine. And she was a single parent raising her own three kids along with three others. So by the time I graduated, uh, she was just in the house with my sister. And that was, you know, she was used to all the chaos and uh, trying to be a mom to so many, too many kids and to where she got to just be, she thought best for her would be a foster parent. So she started bringing these foster kids in. And then my first, my freshman year at college, uh, I think she had about five or six kids. And after the season, I went back home uh, man, these kids would run up to me like I was a superstar and I wasn't used to that. So uh, I, I figured I had an impact uh, just by, you know, being the son of the guy, of, 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 uh, of the woman that was uh, raising these kids and trying to give them a better home and guidance. So uh, just to see what my mom was doing kind of rubbed off on me and uh, wanted me to try to do the same thing. So seeing all that, Clearly, you've got a you've got a heart for helping people out, right? Yeah. When it comes to, I hate to use the word setting up. That's probably the best one I can think of at the moment, right? But when it comes to like setting up one of these type of events, like you've got you know happening here in, in very short order, is it hard to get others on board, or is it one of those things where you make phone calls and people say, okay, Eric's in, Eric's Eric's with it. I, I'm I'm gonna roll with him on it. Like, is is that a tough process? It it, it is here in Dallas because I don't really know a lot of people. Um, I mean, back in Nebraska, uh, I guess you can say I was a household name being that I played there, won national championships there. Kansas City being only two and a half hours from there. So, you know, and then, you know, Nebraska not having a pro team anywhere close. You got Denver Broncos or you got the Kansas City Chiefs. So I still had a good following in Nebraska. So it was easy for me to keep uh, in touch with a lot of the people in Nebraska. And when I moved back there uh, to just send a text message, hey, I'm doing this. Um, can you guys help out with this? And it was easy for people to write a check and send some cash. So that being said, for those people out here listening, like say you don't have a natural connection to, to DFW, if you will. If somebody's out there listening to this show right now and wants to get involved, what's the easiest way for them to do it? They need to DM you via Instagram. Do you have an email address? What's the simplest way they can get involved and help you out? So you can hit me on any social media outlet, uh, whether that's Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. And that's EA Warfield 44 on any one of those. Or um, you can go to the website of a Steady Hands. So a Steady Hands uh, is a nonprofit organization um, you know, reaching out to kids and trying to get them on the right track. So uh checks money whatever however you want to send it in they, they'll give you the receipt uh if you if you send cash which i wouldn't want you to do um but just write checks if you want a cash app or whatever else uh we're setting up the site right now for a facebook donation so that should be up today uh, 
but other than that, just send any and everything out to uh, steady hands. So you just mentioned social media, um, and you've been doing this for 18 years, right? Yeah. How how much of an impact has social media had in in your community service efforts? It helps because people get to see and be a part of it. Um, you know, it's, it's not like um, before. Uh, I mean, there was a lot. I I wish I guess I was ob- oblivious to it to not to not know that you know people took advantage of a lot of these situations um, and would have whatever money sent in and they 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 use it for themselves um so with me i don't want you to write anything to me i don't want you to give me a penny don't cash at me nothing whatever organization i'm working with uh is usually different what the last two years has been different here in dallas um just write it to them that way uh you can have it as a tax write-off so um but it helps to for people to see the kids to help to see the the, the, the parents that are out shopping with these kids and, you know, the, the parents share their stories of, of what of what they experience and how rewarding it, it is for them. Um, you know, the the, the the expressions that they get from the kids after they've you know done their shopping. Now, we've even had people to uh, I've had a lot of calls and uh, DMs of Facebook and, and Instagram of people donating toys. I got a call that somebody donated 300 bikes. So um, that that's that's humongous. Uh, so now the kids don't have to go out and, and purchase a bike. They can use that extra money to for whatever else. So, um, so it, it plays its part, does it well. So you've obviously, like we said, you've been involved for almost 20 years in mm-hmm. doing this, taking over for Tony Gonzalez uh, in Kansas City, and, and now here in the DFW area, you are, uh, you know, basically orchestrating all of this, right? Yeah. Are you? I don't know if you have a title. Or you consider the CEO, the the founder, like <laughs> all of your right. Yeah, basically. I mean, right now, uh, I don't, the thing I kind of regret is I never started a foundation. And uh, just to put it all out there, I was in, in, embarrassed to, to to do a foundation of my own just because of all the stuff that I put myself through um, with the DUI situations from uh, my playing days and post playing days. So I didn't I honestly didn't want anything linked to me. I, I just wanted everybody to know that everything I did came from the heart. I'm not trying to sit there and try to impress somebody with, um, you know, the 100 kids for Christmas. And if, if social media didn't exist, you know, I'd still be doing the same thing and, and sharing my uh, experience with these kids. So it has nothing to do with um, what I've dealt with in life. It's more what what my mom has bestowed upon me in order to help some of these kids that either don't have proper guidance at home or that don't have a home at all um, to give them a, a, a Christmas that uh, they probably will never get. Now, you just kind of mentioned um, scrutiny, um, you know, based off of your past. And we're going to get into that in the, in the next segment. Um, but how do you deal with any type of scrutiny? Because as a former athlete, a lot of times people just say, oh, they're just doing that for the tax write off. Right. They're just doing that to keep their name in people's mouths or, or what have you. But you actually care about these kids and you've been doing this, like you said before, even if there weren't social media and, and where that is today, you would still be doing that. Exactly. I mean, how do you do you ever have to come across or defend like the fact that, you know, I'm <coughs> doing this for, for notoriety or publicity, unlike some other superstars that kind of just show up and have their name. So so to jump on that, I, I've been uh, since I've been living here in, in this little spot here, I've been doing some uh, friendly poker games. And I had one guy in particular uh, question me um, my reasoning for doing this. 
and he's like, you know, you're doing it, you know, for to get girls. You're doing this for <laughs> get your name out there, like, or what? I was like, are you serious? Like, I get you don't know me, huh? It's like, I guess I don't like. Like, why would you be doing something? Like, like this, this is the first time that y'all met? No, I play golf with this dude. Okay, like quite a bit, and I, I, I I'm assuming he's really never um, chopped it up with yeah. you like that. But for the most part, most everybody that I know or that knows me knows that I've been doing this for a long time. And it, it's because of, uh, you know, the things that I've went through and my lifestyle coming up and to, you know, being a part of it, actually being a part of it with my mom. And then, you know, uh, having God bless me with talent to, to make it to the NFL and um, have a, a, a generous lifestyle to be able to help those that, that can't help themselves. So. It just it just came naturally. It, it it's, it's nothing that I do for any attention. I don't it, I don't want the attention. Now, does the social media help the benefit? It does because it gets it, it reaches out to more people for donations. It reaches out uh, to more nonprofit organizations to want to be a part of it and want to help have their kids be a part of it. It uh, plays its part to um, having bigger name people. Man, I mean, uh, I've had Larry the Cable Guy send in $5,000 and and just because he saw what I was a part of, what I was doing for these kids. And, um, you know, I, I got, had one lady that was donating $4,000 every year. Um, and it, it is, it's nothing to, for me to say, uh, look what I'm doing. That's, 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 that's totally far fetched, um, there. And I, it, it, it rubbed me the wrong way when he, when he asked me about it, like, like, man, you, you might want to talk to somebody that's sitting right next to you before you ask me that question right, next time. Right. I can only imagine. So I was going to ask this later on in the show, but you've, you've done a great job of, of kind of explaining all of this, right? What, and this, it leads me to this question, what's one of the best experiences that you've had doing this? And like you said, it, you and we've, you know, we've been talking about 34 minutes when we actually started recording or whatnot. And you are very low key under the radar. Like I said, it's not about you. So I'm just interested to, to hear what are some of the best things that you've experienced or seen as this has grown over 18 years. So, man, it's, I got a, it's almost story after story. And I, I don't share a lot of it on social media. Um, but to hear from those kids like years down the road and to say what you've done, how you impact their life, um, to have parents write you. To, to, to say how, how thankful they are and, and that their kid was able to, to have something for Christmas. Um, you know, to actually, we've had some parents that will show up and we don't want them to show up because uh, we don't want the kid to feel um, pressured and to have to buy certain things. So, but in, in some cases, if the parents who show up and then you see like the, 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 I don't know, the sadness, like, and they sit there and they cry the entire time and, you know, Heck, I've even cried a few times, man, because you got some kids coming there and they absolutely have nothing and they would just go buy groceries for the family. And so then we have uh, other people that want to try to buy extra and we can't do that because we can't buy extra for one and we can't buy extra for all the, all the other kids. So we just cap, cap it off at 100 bucks. And I guess it, it sucks that we that we give 100 bucks, but it's something more than they would, they would have anyway. Right. So. We'll be back more with Eric Warfield and 100 Kids for Christmas here on the Vision Lab Podcast. Hey, everyone. This is Edwina, co-owner of Blowing Smoke Cigar Lounge. 
and this is Lisa, co-owner of Blowing Smoke Cigar Lounge. When you're ready to put some smoke in the air, join us at 215 West Camp Wisdom Suite 5, Duncanville, Texas 75116, where we have VIP Lounge, Spoken Word, and Jazz Night. Anytime you would like to connect with us, we're very active on social media. We're active on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That handler name is Blowing Smoke Cigar Lounge. That's blowing without the G. Welcome back to the Vision Lab podcast. So, um, E, let me ask you this. Obviously, you're not from the DFW area. Um, you've been doing 100 Kids for Christmas for the last, you know, 20, almost 20 years. Um, can you talk to or speak to some of the challenges that, that exist and basically, I, I guess, starting from, from scratch and kind of wearing multiple hats throughout? I mean, are you guys doing this for, throughout the entire course of the year? Like, when does this ramp up? What does that whole process look like? So we usually start around August. Um, the biggest challenges so far for me, uh, for one, raising the money instead of having to come out of my, my own pockets to, 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 to get it going. Two, um, getting transportation. I mean, back in when I was doing it in Nebraska, I, had, I got a, a good friend, actually was one of the football players that started a party bus line. And so when I was there, it was easy for him to do transport the kids on on his buses for free. You know, he was getting publicity from it also. Um, three, uh, it's kind of exposure. Nobody really knows me out here in, in Dallas, so. Um, We're about to change yeah, that. They will now. I mean, I hope so. You know, when you're not a, a Cowboys or Mavericks or anything uh, Texas associated, it's kind of hard for you to, to, to do things and get support when people don't uh, understand you and what you're, what you're trying to do. Uh, even though your, your, your vision or your goal may be something good, uh, it's still kind of hard. It's still hard to get people to, to join in when they don't know who you are. Um, other than that, uh, finding an organization has been easy. You know, there's, there's tons of organizations that want to do something special for their kids. Um, so finding 100 kids is always a, an easy task and, and organizations to tie it to. Um, yeah, that that right there is probably the most challenging is, is just actually raising the money and not having to come out of pockets myself, getting the transportation. Um, is there a specific it. goal in mind that you guys want to have? Is it just $10,000? Nah, we we usually go for twenty five. dollars Okay. Uh, that takes care. Usually, if we got to pay for transportation, we try to feed the kids also. Um, there's a time or two to where... Um, the kid's gonna go over four or five bucks and we don't want that kid to just throw it away. We have an extra uh, extra card for whatever's over. Um, so we take care of the extra food, uh, take care of um, the transportation, the people that, that are helping. Um, we usually have a Santa Claus that comes out, a photographer. Um, we try to get a Santa Claus that looks close as, <laughs> as it can to the park uh, to come out and take a picture with the kids uh, on, their, on their shopping day. And then we, um, like I said, we get a photographer and some some people out there to, to to get the social media buzz going. Now, within um, 100 Kids for Christmas, like, do you have a staff that helps you out or is this literally you by yourself? It's, it has been me by myself, uh, but I do have Lola Wilson and uh, Lola's my publicist. So she she does uh, uh, 
a heck of a job to get the word out and get people involved and get things arranged the way we need it. So, but for the most part, man, I got to do a whole lot of texting and phone calling. <laughs> so, uh, to to cut both of you off because we we would not be doing our jobs if I didn't say this. Uh, the actual event, 100 Kids for Christmas, by the way, everybody, is uh, December the 14th Yes. at 9 a.m. at Target. Uh, the address is going to be 39739 LBJ Freeway in Dallas, Texas at 75237. Again, that's December 14th at 9 a.m. at the Target located at 39739 LBJ Freeway in Dallas, Texas, zip code 75237. Um, so now we got that out of the way, right? Because there's no point in having a charity event. You'll actually tell everybody what it's it's to <laughs> You know, got to do that. Um, like you said, as far as your network in Nebraska and Kansas City, it's a lot easier to kind of get things done versus being here where you're not naturally plugged in or whatnot. When you normally text or phone call and reach out to people that you know in your network, um, what does that process look like? And I ask in the sense of you just say, hey, I'm doing this. Or do you say, hey, I'm doing this. What can you help me out with? Like, what can you ask your, your friends? What can they bring to the table to help make the event that much better? Pretty much. And I don't ask for a certain dollar. You know, if you want, if, if you can only afford to send me five bucks or a dollar, that's better than nothing. Uh, but for the most part, I ask that um, when I send that text is, is can you help sponsor a kid as they, they go on their shopping spree for Christmas? And uh, if you're able to do help sponsor one kid, which is a hundred bucks per kid, uh, I would love for you to come out and escort a kid while they go shopping. Share your, you know, talk with this kid, understand where they come from, where they're trying to go, help inspire that kid to becoming more than what you know their culture provides or what they're getting at home. So, uh, and that's that's the biggest story for me. It, it's not really the money aspect of it. Is I want people to understand. Um, the, the, the backgrounds of where these kids are coming from and the struggles like you know not having anything for Christmas not having any guidance at home proper guidance some of them not having a, a, a home at all um, and to help inspire these kids to where you know they can somehow end up in a college somewhere or at a, a job of their choice so uh, but don't don't let because you come from the hood or uh, no parents a foster foster home that you know you can't become somebody that's getting a regular paycheck or somebody that's on a football field or a basketball court has it always has, and i say it has the event always been held at target or is there other other places that you've had the event at no it originally started at walmart and uh for the last last year and this year uh we've kind of moved up to target target as they say hmm. so your dollar goes a little bit yeah. farther at Walmart, though. <laughs> yeah, you can. So if you're listening, Target, get on board. Get on board. Not just one, not just one location. Why don't you just get the whole brand on board, Target? Um, I want to. I want the visionaries that are listening right now. If you could paint the picture at 9 a.m. on December 14th, and just walk them through what it's like to be a part of that day. Not only as a as a sponsor, um, the, the sponsoring a kid, but also as a kid, you know, you've kind of given glimpses of what that day is like. But can you really pull back that curtain or, or draw the picture to really drive home the point that this is important? It, it, it really is, and it is when you walk through the doors at Target and you see all these kids lined up. Um, I have in mind that uh, for the most part. They're a regular kid. They just don't have the means as any other kid has. You know, they don't have uh, uh, 
two parent two parents in a household they may not have a parent at all they might be in a group home um but the means that we have uh they're they're way short of that and so uh go in there with an open mind to understand this kid listen to this kid and 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 find out what they're needing what they need to hear in order to make them understand the values of, of um especially of an, of an education and and how to achieve that education and also to achieve a goal of, of uh prosperity and man this is is very rewarding when you get to the uh midway of shopping with that kid and understanding that little kid and um the goals that they have in mind and whether um, they seem achievable at the time we want to make them think it's easy for them to get there so i'm with a kid i sponsor a kid it's nine o'clock we're walking through with little johnny little susie down the aisle we're talking to them we're getting to know them does this target shut down the store for and if they do for how long or is this is the store open regular operational hours so i guess they open at 11 okay uh, or i think it's 11 so they're going to open the doors earlier before they get any any customers regular customers come in so it'll just be us and the kids mm -hmm. um so before when i did it with walmart we'd use the area back where all the the plants are at and so they clean that entire area out, have about four cash registers back there working. And they, we bring the, uh, the Santa Claus and we uh, have the buses drop them all. Not every kid, I mean, you don't want to have a hundred kids just roaming through a store. I mean, granted, uh, they're there with a hundred bucks, but you know. It's, right, it's real life. Kids. Yeah, you gotta, be, uh, you gotta be honest with yourself and you know, <laughs> something might come up missing or some, uh, put something in somebody's pocket. We don't want that to happen. We haven't had that happen. Um, and that's mainly because we try to keep the, the kids with some with an adult or somebody responsible. So, but to put a hundred kids in a store at one time, that, that's kind of asking for trouble. Right. And I want to, I'm going to get back to that here in a second. But so after, you know, we, we've shot, we've had a chance to, to, to talk and me to get to know, you know, the, the kid, um, what happens after, all the items have been purchased for the hundred dollars. So we go if we can, we fit whatever we can on the on the buses to get it back to the places. I, we're figuring out if we're gonna have the kids meet at the school or meet at a church uh, to where the parents can just drop them off. It'll be hectic to try to have all these parents drop the kids off right there at Target. So we're gonna have a, a meet spot. Is it'll either be at the church or one of the schools there and um, next to where the the Target's at. And that, that way the parents can, can all be there to pick them up when we get done. So whatever that they can can put in their parents' car or vehicle, they can take back with them. If it's not, so if it's, say for instance, they, they buy a toy that they can't fit uh, in the car, we'll leave it uh, with the steady hands and then the parents can just try to figure out a way how to pick that up. But uh, we want you, yeah, we will be feeding the kids before they go shopping. So we'll have something we'll before have breakfast. Yeah, we'll have a breakfast set, set up. Um, like I said, it'll it be at the church or at the school. Um, and then we'll transport them over. Uh, they meet with you guys who will be escorting them. And uh, during, like I've already told you, like during the, the shopping part, we want you to talk to this kid, but share your story as to where you came from, the struggles and the you know, success stories of how you got where you are. I mean we're all successful at some point. So just share with the kid 
you know, you know, I went through this as I came from the same background. You know, I, I you know, I didn't come from this background. So, uh, but I yet I'm still working hard to get where I'm at now. So there's different stories from different people, um, and just like with the kids, they all come from different situations. So, uh, just share and and, and listen. It's, now, you, earlier you you talked about you know hundred kids in a store. It, it has the potential to be problematic, yeah. right? Uh, how, how do you manage to avoid any specific liabilities? You know, a lot of these kids are underprivileged, and I mean, it is what it is, right? True. They're hustling. They're, they're out here trying to make it. If I can get a couple of whatever that I can put in, you know, store away and, and shoplift or whatever. I mean, thank God that that's never happened it to hasn't. you guys. But how do you, you know, what steps do you that? take to, to, to try to ensure that as best you can? So for the most part, we make sure that every kid is with an adult or some, some responsible adult. Uh, and that adult usually has an eye for one, to keep track of how much they have left on the card. Two, uh, to make sure that the, the item that they're getting is not too expensive or whatever. And three, you know, for that main reason, you know, that nothing gets pickpocketed. You just, you mentioned it, right? And we were gonna talk about it later on in the show, but you kind of opened the door. So I just gotta walk right through it. Go for it. When it comes to sharing your story, uh, like you said, you, you've had some, some things in your past or whatnot. So when it comes time for you to actually address these kids and parents, how do you, how do you, how do you lay things out to them? Like, what do you tell them? I mean, I, I came from those same streets. I came from those same hoods and, you know, I had issues. Um, you know, I grew up with a single parent. You know, I didn't get to see my mom very often. Um, you know, playing sports most of my life. Uh, my mom, I don't have uh, memorabilia of, of when I was little Eric out there trying to make the squad and running past the goal line and picking off balls. So. I understand the struggles of not having um, your parent there for, for most of the things that you are trying to be successful with in life. Uh, but I, I know my mom worked her ass off to, to take care of her three kids as a single parent. So I never blame my mom for not being at those events. I just understood what we went through. Uh, and nothing I would trade uh, right now to, to to change that lifestyle. I mean, I enjoyed my lifestyle. You know, I may have missed out on some, you know, some pictures, but heck, who cares? I, you know, I had a, I had a good upbringing. You won on the back end. Exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, the voice you're hearing is Eric Warfield. Uh, we will be back uh, for the next segment here on the Vision Lab podcast. This is Ron, CEO of Dallas Sleep LLC, and you're listening to the Vision Lab Podcast with Cuff and Mo. Welcome back to the Vision Lab Podcast. We're here with uh, Eric Warfield. Eric, we're curious, um, you know, being a retired professional athlete, and we're obviously talking about your, your charity, 100 Kids for Christmas. How does the process of a professional athlete, in your case, a football player, how does the process normally go of you getting involved with one? Because you're, you're hands-on, right? Yeah. Like, you're not the guy who just, you know, hey, I'm here for a couple photo ops and I'm gone in 30 minutes. Like, you're hands-on. Yeah. And we're both curious. How does it actually start? How, like, how do you get involved in a, in a charity, whether it's yours or just anything? So, I, my mom kind of had her thing going, which kind of influenced me to go in that direction. But in general... Um, 
I'm going to assume every team does it this way and not just the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, but within our organization, we had someone from, I want to say community relations that will come down to speak to the team before practice. And they would bring out this sheet of um, all kind of nonprofit organizations from the Salvation Army, the United Way to, to whatever else. Um, and on this, within this, they would uh, explain to us the, the perks and benefits of being involved with a nonprofit organization, having your own charity and um, giving back to the community. Uh, and basically uh, teaching you uh, what tax write-offs and that whole process and um, just the overall uh, picture that comes with charities, nonprofit organizations, helping others, giving back, um, getting your own foundation started, um, and whatever else that that, that kind of came with it. So within that, um, it kind of gave me a vision with what I was doing to kind of broaden my idea to not just one city that I live in, but try to attack all the NFL cities. So that's 32. Um, so within that, on that sheet, you know, us as players, we'd have to write in a certain number that we wanted to donate to these organizations, organizations, even though we know that they're great organization, we don't really know what they're doing with the money. And so I just kind of wanted to go into each team and kind of explain my situation. And hopefully, uh, I don't even want you to get five, ten thousand dollars, twenty thousand dollars. It'd be nice if you could. Uh, but with each team, I want to start off by donating the first thousand bucks. And if I could have Maybe each player donate five hundred to a thousand bucks. Have somebody match you. Yep. And so, and and to do it throughout every NFL team. Now, I don't think it's possible for me to do a Christmas event, 100 kids for Christmas, for thirty-two teams. I don't think it's possible for me to hit all thirty-two teams. So why do you say that? I mean, I don't have a private jet. And <laughs> it's only one that, Christmas day. Yeah. Oh, you're saying. Uh, be there for for example on December 14th you can't well, be at every location to not just be there for every uh, actual event but to be there to explain uh, what we're doing gotcha. our cause and all that so it's going to have to be a two three day process because you got to go in You first of all you got to find an organization or find somebody that's got 100 kids so it's, it's not just to drop in do this do that you, you got to spend some days there so uh being that be on the road for a good month, at least oh yeah. Weeks. So being that I, I played, you know, a good number of years, I know a lot of players that are, that are still living in those cities. What I like to do, you know, say for instance, I have, you know, I have to go to Miami. Uh, I can call up Patrick Sertan. Patrick, look, I'm doing this. You already know what the deal is. Uh, I'd like for you to be an ambassador on, on behalf of my organization right. to speak, to have this, to, to have this organization. Uh, this charity event go off in Miami successfully with you running the ship uh, and then pay Pat a, uh, a little something to get all that done. And just hopefully I can get half of them done that way. And what else I, I don't get done that way, I could, it'll, it'll be enough for me to handle within a, you know, a So you're thinking that you can, you can reach 14 to 16 ish cities 
most likely. I mean, I'd like <laughs> I'd like to do that because that's that'd be a heck of a uh, no, I lifestyle. Think, I, I think it would. I think you could if you, if you, especially if you broke it up by region. Yeah. Right. You know, you got East Coast, Midwest, South, and then the West Coast. You can literally break it down to four cities per. I mean, you can knock out three teams in in in, in, in Florida. Right. You know, yeah. with a car ride. Right. You know, and it's California. Well. They got two in LA now, two in the same city. Two in LA, then one in the Bay, and then the Raiders obviously. Yeah, two in Texas, and really Louisiana, because, you know, Texas. 45 minute flight from Houston to New Orleans. Well, that too, but 45 minutes from Dallas to Houston. And I think that Wisconsin, Chicago, and uh, who else is it right there? Detroit. Detroit, Minnesota, that's all within range. So it won't be that hard. It's just, you got to, when doing it that way, you have to at least go there for at least four days that way you get to uh figure out what organization you want to work with get some boots on the ground exactly so speaking of boots on the ground i can imagine the amount of you know if especially you're going to expand this to 32 different cities yeah how much help you're going to need well this is where i'm asking for people to donate you know I, i need all the help i can get so um if i can get you know anybody to come out and help sponsor one kid um it, it'd be truly an honor for me to have you to come out and and, and escort this kid share share your story with these kids um you know we're, we're looking for anything though you know if you want you got toys you want to donate the kids are, are, are we're trying to make these this this christmas a special one uh we're trying to make this event a special one uh i mean i'm trying to, to put my name out there to where uh people understand who i am and what my vision is and and where my heart's at. So, um, so we need volunteers, uh, but more than that, we need sponsors. So I'm just asking if you can donate anything, we'll take anything from you. Now, just in case they hear the, uh, the podcast after the event has taken place, can you drop your social media handles? Best way to get in contact with Eric Warfield. Best way. So I respond to each and every message that I get on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, we can attest to that. Facts. Yes. <laughs> that is a true state. They are all linked to the same uh, username, EA Warfield 44. That's EA Warfield, W A R F I E L D 44. Uh, so reach out, send me a message, um, and we can get this thing going. And ladies and gentlemen, by the way, uh, the actual event, 100 Kids for Christmas, is going to be on December 14th at 9 a.m. at Target uh, in Dallas. The address is going to be 39739 LBJ Freeway. That's Dallas, Texas. The zip code is 75237. Again, that's going to be December 14th at 9 a.m. Before we get to the last segment, we really just completely open this thing up. If there is one thing that you could or one statement I would I would say to encapsulate the thought process and the vision and, and the and the 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 mindset behind 100 kids for Christmas what would it be it's uh I, it's captivating to me um is 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 more than rewarding is 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 more of um man just I just just being in it for so long and seeing the lives that I've touched and seeing that, you know, uh, some of the, 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 su- the success stories that have come from these kids and from their backgrounds and to where they are now and um, how my little uh, hundred bucks got them to where they are now or inspired them. 
Um, it's just one of those that just kind of overwhelms you and, and makes you want to do more. And I wish I could do more. I've had people ask me, why don't I, why don't I take 200 kids? Why don't I give three, 400 bucks? Um, you know, you got to have something to, 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 to go with. And, you know, that's kind of my motto is a hundred bucks for a uh, hundred kids. And um, if I can take every kid in this world, I would, I can't. So I take a hundred kids, different kids every year and hopes to reaching as many as I can. So, uh, well, before we, we close out this particular segment, I want to let you know on behalf of the Vision Lab podcast, we're going to donate $100 um, to 100 kids for Christmas. I appreciate that. You know, we'll, we'll make sure we cut the check to you here uh, offline. But I love what you're doing. We're going to come back for the final uh, segment here on the episode uh, with Eric Warfield. We'll be back more on the Vision Lab podcast. Hey, everybody, this is Eric Warfield, and you're listening to the Vision Lab podcast with Cuff and Mo. Welcome back to the Vision Lab podcast. Um, you, as you guys heard, you know, E is looking for more support, more help. Um, if you guys are interested in, you know, providing any type of volunteering efforts uh, or you want to donate money, make sure you hit him up on his social media handles or hit us up on our, uh, shoot us a DM and we'll make sure that we can make that contact. And again, we're, we're donating a hundred bucks uh, on behalf of the Vision Lab podcast to 100 Kids for Christmas. So um, for our last segment, E, we want to open, open this thing wide up. So you've lived in Kansas City and now you're here in uh, the great state of Texas, DFW. Who has the better barbecue? <laughs> I mean, I, I live here in Dallas. So I'm going I'm to uh, go ahead and say I, I've, I've had some great, great food here. Um, it's hard to compare, man, because, I mean, I'm not just going to – when I think of barbecue, I don't, Kansas City doesn't instantly come to mind. So I wouldn't say that Kansas City necessarily has the best. Are you saying that it's overrated, perhaps? I wouldn't necessarily say it's overrated. I mean, they got some really, really good cooks there, some really good barbecue there. But I've had some good barbecue here. So I'm, I'm just at that point to where it's like um, when people ask me – who has the best. And I know that since I've lived in the Midwest and Nebraska in particular, and they have rib fest every year, the food truck that seems to win every year is, has been Memphis. And Memphis makes, makes a mean barbecue. I, it, it, it's the rub, it's the sauce, They're it's the tenderness. Yeah. I mean, they, 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 they just have everything down to a to a science. So you're going to take a political approach and, and not pick either <laughs> one because I, I see what you're doing here. We just ask people for money. You know that we're based yeah. out of Dallas, so you're not trying to offend anybody. So I need all these Dallas barbecues who wants to send me a check. <laughs> yeah, you hear that? Hard Eight, the Con Lodge, all of it. Um, so you played in Nebraska, right? Yep. You're from Texarkana, Arkansas. Yep. What made you choose to go to Nebraska? Because I'm sure if, if, if you went to Nebraska, they weren't the only ones looking for your services. No, I was uh, I had boxes of letters to go to pretty much any school almost in the U.S. And uh, a, a alumni, Texarkana Razorback alumni came back and uh, he said he had been watching me and a couple of my best friends uh, the last two years and uh, noticed that we've been getting a lot of attention. And he asked, like, 
what were our top schools and like for us we were all like man we're you know miami oklahoma ucla notre dame but he didn't think that none of those would fit me and my style of play um i had got a lot of letters from nebraska and i knew nothing about nebraska like i didn't watch college football in high school i, didn't I was either. i was so busy just out in the streets playing ball yeah. and hanging with my friends like i knew nothing about nebraska yeah and so, I, I, to be honest, I didn't even know where it was located. <laughs> so, it was uh, Rod Smith who played for the Denver Broncos for a long time and, and enshrined in their ring of, ring of, ring of fame. Um, but he came back and he said, man, you should really go take a visit to this school. And and I took a visit and fell in love and, and that was about it. I went right before they played Florida State in the bowl game. And, uh, Tommy Fraser. Yep. And what was that? 93. 94. Yeah, 93, 94 season. Yeah. So I and watched that game. game. They won that game, but if we lost. Florida State won that game. You yeah. know that signed the Florida State. So fan. remember, William Floyd supposedly had the touchdown, but he never had the ball in his hand. They called the touchdown. They gave the touchdown. They called back the punt return, and Nebraska had for a bogus call that wasn't even a legit call. And so that's two touchdowns, and we and I think it was still a close game, but and yeah. Nebraska missed the field goal. Did they play Nebraska? Who's that? Nebraska and Florida State. Nah, it was, uh, Miami, oh no, it was Miami. Miami. That's year. what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Okay, so Miami uh, lost to Nebraska yep. when uh, Tommy Osborne was, was yeah, like so his first. Yeah, so it was uh, Miami. Then we beat uh, Danny Warfel and Florida Gators. We slaughtered them. Then we lost to uh, we no, we lost to we lost Florida State. We lost to Arizona. State. I'm talking about the, the, the only two games I lost oh, when I was there. Gotcha. Yes. So we lost to Arizona State, Jay Jake Palmer, and Pat Tillman. Yep, Pat Tillman. And then we ended up losing the Big 12 championship to Ricky, uh, Ricky Williams, Ricky Williams, and, and Priest. Holmes. Holmes. Well, Priest was the one that killed us. Yes, Priest Holmes went nuts. Yeah, so game. Priest Priest put up about a buck fifty on us real quick. We was, <laughs> we was like, who was this dude? Like, Ricky was all the hype, right? You know, Heisman run, Heisman winner, and all that. So we we weren't expecting Priest at all, and came in and. Like I said, lit us up. And I ended up getting hurt that game, but so first of all, Nebraska was a powerhouse in the in the you know 90s. late eighties, nineties, yeah. and you had no idea who they were. But I didn't watch I didn't watch sports like that. I, I did not watch sports. If it wasn't the Arkansas Razorbacks, um, I didn't I didn't I didn't know who was number one as far as football at that time. And I don't think the Razorbacks were good. It was just that what was in our region and what we saw on Simi. TV. Yeah. And so I, I didn't follow anybody else. I know I, I, heard, I heard of the the Notre Dames because they had the, the contract with whoever else and was on TV, no matter what. Uh, and uh, so you, you get, watch Jerome Bettis do his thing. Exactly. But when you watch those Notre Dame teams, you get to hear about those other schools that are top 10. And still, like, I didn't know who Nebraska was. I didn't know who Coach Osborne was. So you get to Nebraska and y'all end up winning what two oh, three 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 champions yeah, uh, two games my whole career had no clue that you were that's nah, crazy to me they used to nah. have your black shirt so i have everything of mine as far as rings jerseys uh but not in my possession who has it uh so my mom has some stuff my best friend has some stuff and i think my brother has one ring so uh so i just opened the open the door right let me fan out for a quick second right? <laughs> um so can you explain to everybody what the black shirt is? So the black shirt is, um, that's when you've earned your your spot uh, amongst the, the privilege uh, of what we call our elite defense. Um, so even, I've, we've had starters that 
just because we needed an 11th guy on the field. That's the uh, only reason they're playing. That didn't have a black didn't shirt. Have a black shirt. So he was in a gold shirt. But just because we needed that start, I mean, doesn't mean that you get that black shirt. You have to earn that by going out, proving every single play that you're worthy of putting that black shirt on. And so that was one that you had to earn to get. It was a threat. Like guys had to go out and prove each play. And it wasn't during the games. Because you got to understand, our hardest matchups was against each other. In practice. In practice. And did you love that? Oh, man, it was a bang out every single play. I'm talking about it was a game amongst itself. And our offense was so good. And what's so crazy about it, we would give you five plays the entire game and couldn't be stopped. Just option, 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 fullback, fullback. Might hit the tight end down the middle. Might throw a little short ride to a receiver. But for the most part, they about to pound it down your throat and you can't stop it. That's now, just crazy. Were you playing safety or corner? I was safety. Um, and the thing that shocked me the most was when draft day came and I got that phone call and Marty Schottenheimer said, man, we're, we are, we like you as an athlete, so we're going to move you to corner. And I can play you at safety. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, this is, this is going to be the beginning and end of my, my NFL career in a phone call because I don't think I, I have what it takes to cover a guy one-on-one. I never did it. I didn't have to do it as, at a safety. So, uh, luckily, I got in with a tremendous group. Um, Mark McMillan, who they called Mighty Mouse, was an all-pro corner. We had Dale, uh, Dale Carter, who was an unbelievable athlete. The gifted Dale yes. Carter. Yes. And then we had James Hasty, who was just like a – a magician like Hasty was built like a linebacker, but just smooth and and had everything else elegance uh, of of a, of a wide receiver. But when he got his hands on you, you were pretty much done. So I had to learn from each one of these guys um, the techniques of what it took to be a corner. And I'm going up against Spider Man, Andre Rising out there every day, and Derek Alexander and Eddie Kennison. So uh, my hands are full, but it was a learning experience that I wouldn't trade for anything in the world. And I want a group of guys that, um, you know, I, I still try to keep in touch with to this day. So is Arrowhead really as loud as they say it really it is? is. And, and, and it does a shake. You know, the crazy thing is, is like they compare that to all 32 NFL teams. And uh, you got to understand, like a lot of these teams are domes, which means it should get a lot more loud. Uh-uh. Arrowhead is top of the crop. And you still go up there from time to time. I, do. Catch we, I, I go back every year for our alumni game. So as with every other team, so college, they uh they they give you one game to come back on behalf of the university. Kansas City, same way, they give you one game to come back on behalf of the organization, uh, to where you don't have to pay for the tickets or anything else, and they take care of you. So and that's your alumni game. So, what is the uh, the fondest memory that you've had in your NFL career? <sighs> First year as a starter. First year as a starter. So I grew up being a 49ers fan. Jerry Rice, Joe Montana. Mm-hmm. Kind of hard not to be. Um, all of a sudden, I'm starting. Left corner. First matchup. Now, my first year, I was playing with Rich Gannon. He was our backup quarterback. Got to know Rich really well. Uh, great guy, great quarterback. So, Rich knew who I was, too. So, I'm safety coming in trade corner. He's so going I'm after lined you. up, lined up over there. Guess who I'm lined up on? Jerry Rice. I'm sitting over there scared, shaking in my boots and everything. Like, man, you you don't know how much this means to me to have you in front of me 
uh, and you've been my role model throughout this entire my life, just watching you play. And all of a sudden, I'm here covering you. And that first play, they come to me. I'm talking about uh, 14 minutes and maybe 50 seconds. <laughs> Clockwork. They, they yes. saw fresh meat out there. First play, boom. Interception for six. Really? really? Took it to the crib. Took it to the crib. This is your second year of a first true start. Yes. Against Jerry Rice. Against Jerry Rice. First play of the game. First Offen- play. First offensive play of the game. First play of the game. Wow. Pick six. Pick six. Okay. Where's the ball? Oh, it's over at my, my best friend's I know you house. Got, I know you got that ball. I know you got that ball. That's at my best friend's house. Yeah. Okay. So so obviously Jerry Rice is, is, you know, there are some people who will say that, you know, maybe it's Randy Moss. But we'll just say for the sake of this conversation, Jerry Rice is the greatest receiver to ever play, right? Outside of that, oh, well, never mind. You you, know, you raise your eyebrows. In your opinion, then, who is To great? me, just going up against Randy Moss and seeing what he's done to everybody else, I got to say he in my opinion, and that's just my opinion. Did you face T.O.? I did. And you faced uh, uh, Jerry Rice? I did. And, and Randy, Randy Moss. And Randy Moss. So what's the separator in regards to like what makes him different than Overall the other Overall talent. He just got, he got Overall, tools everybody else don't have. Everything. He's quick, he's fast, he can catch that. He I'm, he can switch gears. Randy's got different gears in that somehow. I don't know how, <laughs> where he, how he shipped them, but he got, he's got a gear shift in, in that body, so. And and the things that he does, he he's he's, he's long, and you need to look that like he's that fast. But as a lot, as a lot of people in Dallas know, <laughs> they've been they bear witness to what he's done here. He, when he opens up, it's a wrap. He's, he's a record he, setter he, here. He can pick him up, put him down pretty quick, especially here in Dallas. Oh yeah. my gosh! What's <laughs> so, the scouting report look like on Randy Moss on Tuesday so morning? Usually, um, we always knew that we had to have a, a safety that's going to line up a little bit more deeper. And his eyes gonna be a bit more concentrated on wherever 84 is at. Now, the other problem is they had Robert Smith. Robert Smith was a good running back. And Jake so, Reed on the other side, and Chris Carter in the middle. Well, you couldn't. Jake and, and Chris were kind of at that age where they weren't they didn't scare you that like big that. of a threat. They're, they're gonna be underneath players. Great possession guys. Yeah, great good possession guys, but they're not gonna they're not gonna put up six points on you for 80. You know? Gotcha. Um so that was it was it was you had to watch out for 84 26. other than that you play and do what you got to do but with 84 we're gonna double that i don't care <laughs> if he's taking a play off or if he decides to play at 100 we got to double that guy bigger rivalry um oklahoma kc or denver oklahoma i mean denver oklahoma KC. nebraska i'm sorry i'm sorry i don't Bigger rivalry, Kansas City versus Oakland and the Raiders, or Kansas City and Denver? So it was more of uh, us and the Raiders when I was there. Uh, Why? And I, 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 and I did like the one where you went to with Nebraska and Oklahoma, though, because uh, we a lot of people want that to come back. And since we kind of left the Big 12, it's, it's, it's been one of those if it'll ever happen again because it was it was just so much that came with that but with the Raiders um it was just so much hate and bad blood between that organization uh starting from the top all the way down to the players like nobody liked Al Davis is it Al Davis yeah it was you know rest in peace to to, you know him not being here but he was uh he was that mob type yeah and he knew how to push buttons he Al would say what he wanted to say, how he wanted to say it, and he 
his teams kind of played that way. Um, but when they got rich, it was kind of, you know, they, they kind of got an upper hand on us when they got rich again. Rich was a hell of a quarterback. And I wish to this day we had kept him. You know, Trent Green did an excellent job for us. Uh, but but uh, Rich went in, went into Oakland and immediately made an impact with them and won a Super Bowl right away. So were you there when when Montana made it to KC? Nah, or was that before? I, was, I, was, okay, I never played with okay. Yeah. So Kansas City and Denver, what's that one like? From what I gather, right, because I used to work at ESPN Radio, so like the NFL guys I would talk to, no one likes the Raiders at that from that period of time, right? But it's like it seems like it's more of a respect thing between Kansas City and Denver. Like you want to beat them, but you do have some level of respect for them versus like the Raiders. No one likes them. So it was a respect thing mainly because Denver had already proven themselves the year before I got there and won the Super Bowl. Okay. Um, on top of that, they kept good talent. You know, Rod was an excellent receiver. Rod was hard to stop. And all of a sudden, uh, I, I, I had a couple of years against Terrell Davis and then they got in Clinton Portis and he fell right to that offense perfect. Like a glove. Yes. Um, Jake Plummer filled in after, uh, I think Jake was there before. Uh, it was man and Greasy. Greasy, yes. That's what it was. So we, it wasn't, Greasy hadn't really done much. It wasn't really we worried about him. It was more the running game. That's what Denver was running team and every now and then you're gonna catch rod slipping he's gonna hit you for at least at least 80. he's gonna give you 80 a game or, or more and so um but with them it was more of that you know run the ball down your throat uh the raiders it was just the hate hate amongst hate like you know <laughs> what dave Chappelle said hate 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 it's <laughs> hate it's all that came with it. and the crazy thing is like you go to the black hole you got all these people that dress up crazy and act act, act stupid they're really nice people. Except on the for, other hand, except for the game, you go to Denver, you got some straight up assholes in Denver. So like that's Denver's been the worst place for me to play since college and pro. Hmm. Interesting. Very much so. Well, we're gonna land this plane, but before we do, first and foremost, again, brother, love what you're doing in the community. Thank you, thank you, thank you for doing that. Um, we typically ask two questions at the end of every segment. Uh, it's you and a round table. There are five other seats. No particular order. Just first thing comes to mind. Only stipulation is that uh, you can't say Jesus. Who are the five other people at your table? Mm, Barack Obama, Michael Jordan, Oprah, MLK. You got one more. Yeah, you got one more. I'm a big fan of dude, so I got to put in Steph Curry. <laughs> what are y'all talking about? Success. I, I, I These guys have, have, especially for the black culture, you know, Curry reshaped the league with the three-pointer. Michael Jordan, to me, greatest of all time. To me, the greatest athlete of all time. Oprah, for what she's gone through to get where she's at, and to have that status, gotta have that knowledge. Barack Obama, first black president, for what he's dealt with. Now, if he did a great job, you know. That's up to interpretation. Exactly. Uh, and then just all the knowledge and, and wisdom that, that comes from Martin Luther King, so. 
hundred percent. All right, real quick before we land this plane, one more time with their social media handles. E A Warfield. Um, you know, I, my my email is Eric Warfield forty four at yahoo.com. My Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook is E A Warfield forty four. So hit me up anytime. I will respond. Again, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Now, final question uh, for the podcast. Five years ago, let's rewind the clock. Okay. You are your current age. What are, is your your present self telling your past self from five years ago? What advice would you have given yourself? So five years from now, what I what I tell myself? Five years ago. You present looking your back present five years ago. What would you have told five, that guy? Yeah. <sighs> It would have been back in 2001. And to be honest, not to, I know we kind of skipped over the whole DUI situation of which played a, a important part in my life as to where I am now and some somewhat done with my NFL career. Um, if I hadn't taken that, the keys at night, uh, I know where my life would be and I'm not even complaining what my life said now. I think I'm in a good position. I, I haven't had a job. I haven't had to work since 2006, and that was my last year in NFL. So, uh, money-wise, I, I don't I don't speak on it on, on that behalf. But just having to deal with some of the scrutiny that comes with uh, my career and uh, the DUIs that came along that played this part with it, and having to deal with some of the mental struggles that I've had to deal with throughout life. So, um, just that back. Just like I said, 2001. If I can go back and change that that day, you know, I, that that'd be the one day. So I think that was the start of something that I that I lost control of. All right, now let's fast forward the clock five years from now. What is your future self telling Eric Corfield today? My future self tells me today that I am worthy, that I have a purpose, and whatever that uh, people think of me is their opinion. I know who I am. I, I love who I am, and. For what I do for myself, my family, and this community, I'm gonna keep on doing it because it, it brings me joy to put a smile on others' face and to 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 to, to help um, others achieve things that they didn't believe they could. Amen. Well, hey, I'm so glad you're on the show, brother. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Absolutely, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the voice you've been listening to is Eric Warfield. My name is Ryan Mosley. He's Ryan Cuffy. Uh, one more time, uh, Eric's event is 100 Kids for Christmas. It will be taking place on December 14th at 9 a.m. at Target in Dallas, Texas. The address is 39739 LBJ Freeway, and that's Dallas, Texas, zip code 75237. Um, you have been listening to another great episode of the Vision Lab Podcast. Peace.